wonderful day at Easter in the Park. Served so many people in our community, but a super big round of applause for Pastor Trent and Hannah Ekblad, especially Pastor Hannah. So well organized. I, I told someone, I, I said, you know, we um, uh, Hannah organizes uh, so well. Uh, she actually owns a business where she organize, organizes weddings, right? And someone said, you have a wedding planner doing your organization. <laughs> it had to have been great, and it was great. But um, she made me nervous because she kept wanting to carry things, and she's already carrying something very important. And so, yeah, great day, great day. Um, blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. And um, today, um, Easter Sunday is, is like, it's like the premier day for the Christian church. Um, the thought, the thought of what Christ did for us. And for those of you that haven't been here, uh, the last few weeks we have been unpacking um, uh, the story of Christ reflected in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament. That we don't discount the Old Testament because we have the New Testament. Matter of fact, it's a grand story. That there are so, there, there are so many things said in the Old Testament concerning Christ. It's, it's, it's pointing. It's, it's a highway. It's, it's, it's driving us toward Christ. Driving us toward the cross. And, you know, I've said this over and over again, Pastor Trent as well, that, that you know, we really, we really thought that we would move, you know, farther along into the Old Testament. There, there's just so much. But, but um, we sort of stayed real close to just the Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Numbers, just sort of in the beginning books of the Bible for most of this series. And uh, today, I'm going to go back to the children of Israel when they had left Egypt and they are now in the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness. And I think we should note again that that particular generation of Israelites, although they had been surrounded by the miraculous, I mean, everything... Everything in their life was miraculous. They had a miraculous deliverance after seeing miraculous plagues waged by God against the Egyptians. Pharaoh finally let them go. They had a, they had a miraculous crossing of the Red Sea that the waters literally parted for them. They walked across on dry ground. They had a complete miraculous deliverance when Pharaoh and his army decided, well, we're going, to go, we're going to go through the water too, and the water came crashing down on them. They ate miraculous food. They wore miraculous clothes. The Bible says their clothes did not wear out. All of those years they were in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out. They had miraculous shoes. They, they drank miraculous water, water flowing from a rock in a dry place. And so here they are, surrounded by all of these miracles, and yet they frustrated God. They frustrated God. They, they struggled with their faith. Surrounded by the miraculous, they struggled with their faith. They constantly would go back to a mode of complaining and, and even, even threatening to, at one point to kill Moses and, 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 and 
you know, God became very frustrated with them. And Moses became very frustrated with them. And through that frustration, we see that God trying to bring them back around, trying to capture their attention, at times would, would punish them in the wilderness. That, that God would become frustrated with them and he would punish them. And, and, and in a lot of ways, that's hard to read, especially in light of grace. I will tell you this, thank God for grace, right? Because I don't know about you, I mean, you probably have. I've probably frustrated God a time or two in my life. Or three or four, or ten or twelve. Or an innumerable host. You know? I mean, I, I, I could see that, that there are moments in my life where I was preaching faith but living doubt. Think about that. You know, some of the most doubtful moments in my life, God gave me some of the most powerful faith sermons I have ever preached. And then I would have to be reminded that if you point with one finger, you have at least three fingers coming back. I knew a preacher one time that refused to point with one finger. He pointed with everything because he, wasn't pre- he was never preaching to himself. But I recognized that, you know, God would work in my heart, that he would give me these words and I would... I would walk away and I would think, wow, man, that, that had to have been for me. Because I'm preaching faith, but I'm living down. Now, I don't know if, if God gets frustrated with all of that. But I do know that the Bible says he was frustrated with these people. You know, they, they made God mad. They made God mad. At one point, God said, I'll just kill him. Moses said, no, you can't kill him. If you do that, that's a terrible testimony. You know, I mean, people back in Egypt are going to go, see there, that's the God they serve. He only took them out of here so he could kill them all. And that's the, that's the exact reasoning Moses gave. And, and, and God said, okay, I won't kill them. But he did punish them. And in, in that whole story, there is one of the most, it's, to me, it's probably one of the, the strangest tales of their wandering in the wilderness. That, that God is, is punishing the people for their murmuring, their complaining, their, their incessant, their incessant doubt. They sinned. And today on Easter Sunday, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to conclude the Grand Story series talking about a really harsh punishment. And the grand story of God's remedy, Numbers 21, we're going to pick this story up here and and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. They traveled from Malhor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. That's that miraculous food, right? God gave that to them. And they said, we detest it. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. 
when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now look, notice this, this eighth verse. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. I mean, the picture here is very clear. God sent a plague of snakes because of their incessant complaining. They called his miraculous bread miserable. They offended the chef. (laughs) The people repented of their sin. God offered a solution. God offered a solution to Moses. And it's, it's, it's puzzling, really. Put a snake on a pole. And everyone that looks up at it will be immune from the snake bite. Now, obviously, the opposite of that is true. Everyone, everyone that, that, that um, doesn't look up at the snake on a pole is going to die. And, and what really kind of boggles my mind, I mean, one of the most amazing aspects of this is that there were obviously people who were so stubborn They were so stubborn that they refused. They said, well, I ain't going to look at no stupid snake. I mean, all you have to do is lift your eyes up off of your surroundings, off of your miserable food. All you have to do is look up. And everyone that had enough Faith in God's remedy to look up at the bronze snake on a pole was immediately infused with God anti-venom. Like just immediately. All you got to do is look up. That's it. Just look up. And yet there were people, I mean I think this is a good a good word for that. There were people that were so stiff-necked that they just couldn't bring themselves to a place to have enough faith to say, God is offering me a solution and all I have to do is have enough faith to look up. Now, there's probably about Five of you that wondering what in the world does this have to do with Easter? I mean, how in the world do you bridge this gap and, and make sense out of this in light of the grand story? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how. We gotta fast forward to Christ. We're gonna fast forward to the third chapter of John, one of the most well-known chapters uh, 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 in the Bible. I mean, you know, how, how many how many Times have you watched a a football game and somebody in the end zone is holding up John 3.16? I mean, very, very important conversation that Jesus has with this Jewish leader, this this, this man named Nicodemus. He was high up. He was, you know, he he was a leader. He was heavily respected. and, And he came to Jesus at night, okay, because he didn't want anyone to see him coming to Jesus, he was obviously uh, very interested in what, in what Jesus was doing, had to offer. There was, there was a spark of faith in him, I believe, to, honestly, to believe he definitely 
at least believe Jesus was of God. And I'm going to pick this conversation up. Jesus and Nicodemus, this conversation. Um, where, where Jesus responds to Nicodemus admitting that he knew Jesus was from God. Jesus responds to him in, in the third verse of John 3 says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. All right? So Jesus here injects a theology that Nicodemus was blind to or maybe had never even heard it, it, it was clearly a new thought to him, being born again, being born again. But notice that, that Jesus is talking about his kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, not the kingdom of Israel, but, but, but the spiritual kingdom of God. And, 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 in, and in that moment, Jesus is injecting that being born again is a kingdom of God idea. All right? And for us today, an easy way to say it is, it is the opportunity to have a fresh start through Christ. I mean, you don't go back to being a baby, and obviously you, you can't, um, I mean, it, it would just, you know, it would just be horrible to think that you would have to go back into your mother's womb, right? And so, and so, and so it's an opportunity for a fresh start. This born-again idea involves, in, invo involves two births. There was one Jesus spoke of by water when natural birth occurs, the breaking of the water. You know, and I think every, every um, parent here, every couple or, or um, at least the moms in the room have a, have a heightened understanding of what it means when the water breaks. You know, I mean, when, our, when our boys were, were born, it was really... Uh, something else, we, you know, everything kind of went on time with, with um, Baylor, but Boston, um, it's his first time in his life he was ever um, early for something. <laughs> I love you, dear. But, uh, but, but, but we, we, were, we were in, in the bed, and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and I get, uh, uh, Raylene wakes me up by saying, my water just broke. And I'm like, we're not ready for this. I mean, we, she had been telling me, we'd been going, you know, she has a, a good habit of being uh, late too. And so, um, um, it, 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 we need to pack that bag, we need to pack that bag, we need to pack that bag, you know. And she's ah, we still got four weeks. Ah, we still got three weeks. Yeah, it was three weeks. Yeah, water broke. So now we're up at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to get everything ready. And, and, I, and we, we called 
uh, a couple uh, from the church of our fridge. We called them, said, you know, the water broke. We're going to be going to the hospital pretty quick here. Y'all might ought to come over. Baylor's in the bed, uh, asleep, of course. And, and, um, and, and so they get there, and, and Tom, is, he's a pacer, and he paces like this. And he's just in the living room pacing like this because we're not hurrying up. Her water broke. Like, go to the hospital. But she needed to wash a load of clothes. And she washed dishes. I think we vacuumed. I think we vacuumed. He's going, why are you vacuuming? Go to the hospital. Go to the hospital. And so finally, we, we, we went 4.30. Got to the hospital. She hit a contraction. She leaned up against the wall. Nobody is there. We see no one. This is at the old South Crest. Nobody was at that desk where we thought people were. So, so I left her there against the wall. And I went around this way through the diamond. And I got back to the back. There were two nurses sitting there. And, I, and they looked at me like, what are you doing here? And I went, oh, my wife is having a baby. And they went, well, where is she? I said, oh, she's out there leaning against the wall. <laughs> they went, go get her! 19 minutes from the time we pulled on that parking lot to the time Boston was born. <laughs> Doctor didn't make it. And he's still, I, I, to this day, I'm trying to figure out why we paid him $2,000 to deliver that baby. I mean, me and the nurse, me and the nurse should have split that one. Like, you know, give me a thousand, you a thousand. We, we, she looked at me, she said, are you ready to deliver a baby, Dad? I went, let's go. She said, put on some gloves. Water broke, natural birth. Hey, here's the deal is that you can't be born again unless you've been born, right? You, you, you have to be a, a living, breathing human being, born Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And so this is the obvious birth that Nicodemus was familiar with, just like all of us. We're familiar with it. This natural birth. And, and, and Nicodemus got it when he asked, how can we enter again into our mother's womb? What are you talking about born again? Jesus said, no, we're not talking about flesh birth. It's this second birth. It's this second birth that had to be explained. Jesus goes on to say that that first by water is natural birth, but the second by the Spirit is spiritual birth. It's like the blowing wind, and it leads to eternal life. It brings salvation. This second birth brings salvation. This second birth is God's remedy to the snake problem. Okay, y'all remember Pastor Trent started this series, those of you that were here eight weeks ago. He started this series in the first three chapters of Genesis, and he ended that sermon talking about a snake problem. That there was a serpent in the garden that convinced Eve that she should eat of the tree that was the forbidden fruit, and because she listened to the serpent in the garden... Man fell. And it was a snake problem. Matter of fact, tying that back to the cross, 
Pastor Trent mentioned the fact that the head of the snake would be crushed, but the heel of the one who would crush the snake would be bitten. And where did that happen? On the cross. That happened on the cross. That, that Jesus came to give a remedy from God to the snake problem. And I mean, as we unpack that in our own, in our own life, we recognize that, that salvation, this, this gift of salvation, is a faith thing. It's a faith thing. It's not jump through hoops. It's not figure out how to get good to get God. It's not white-knuckle yourself and clean yourself up. It's recognizing that the remedy to the snake bite isn't in us. It isn't in our natural birth. The natural birth is the snake problem. It's the spiritual birth that makes all of the difference in the world. And Jesus came to make it easy. Matter of fact, let's look at how Jesus reveals the grand story. Let's look at it real quick. Check these verses out. Verse 12. I have spoken, same conversation, same conversation, John 3. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. Then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus, in a conversation about spiritual birth, salvation, brings up the snake on a pole. And Jesus is looking at him and saying, Nicodemus, you are a teacher. You are someone who knows these things. You know what Moses did. And you know that everyone in the wilderness that had faith in God's remedy for the snake problem, if they would just have enough faith to look at that snake on a pole, lift up their eyes, and if they just had enough faith to look at it, they were, they were saved. And he says, just as Moses did that to save them, I have come to be lifted up. That everyone who looks up at me on the cross has a means to remedy the snake problem. And then, and then, we get to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Today is Resurrection Sunday. But can I say, without the cross, there would be no resurrection. 
I mean, we're going to get there. But here is the lesson learned in the grand story. Have the faith to look at the one on the cross for deliverance from the bite of sin. When we celebrate resurrection, we don't look over the cross. We have to look at the cross by faith first. Romans 10, 8 declares it like this. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and your faith and are saved. God raised Christ from the dead. And we see the resurrection through the lens of the cross. The resurrection is solidified in the lordship of Christ. We believe and we profess looking through the lens of the cross at this powerful resurrection. Jesus told Nicodemus, you're going to have to look up for the anti-venom. Matter of fact, Acts 2.36 says it like this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. We're looking at it through the lens of the cross. This Jesus whom you crucified. Both Lord and Messiah. Christ is Messiah in death. And he is Lord in resurrection. He defeated the serpent on the cross, crushing his head. And he conquered the curse of sin, the venom, death, the venom. He conquered the curse of sin in his resurrection. And the ultimate fulcrum of the grand story is the cross. Would you stand with me today? Years ago, we used to sing a song. Some of you will know it because you're old enough. <laughs> because he lives. Heard it? I can face tomorrow. <laughs> because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds my future, my life is worth the living just because he lives. Here is my message for you today. Please don't be stiff-necked. Please don't be so doubtful and so and so stubborn. Give the one who hung on the cross a chance. Give him a chance. It's easy. All you got to do is believe enough to look. And when you look at him, you say, Yeah.
both Lord and Savior, Messiah and ruler. Give him a chance. Because he wants every one of us today to have a fresh start. I mean, some of you in this room right here, you've given him a chance, but maybe you've kind of slipped back into doubt. Maybe, maybe you used to carry a faith, man, that you could say, man, I know that I know that I know. And maybe today you're saying, well, I did know, but maybe I don't know, but I don't know, so I do know and I don't, and I'm just trying to figure my life out. I'm just trying to figure it out. And today, on Resurrection Sunday, you can leave this place at least knowing that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That today, on this Easter Sunday, that you can say, you know what, I have the faith to know that I'm going I'm to look at him on the cross and I'm going to see the resurrection through the lens of that cross. And I'm going to believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and I'm going to confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord of my life and I'm going to ask him to be the Lord of my life. Every aspect of my life that, that just take over because, because I know where the anti-venom is. I know where the anti-venom is. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Now listen, I, I, make, I make this promise every time I, I, I help people and lead them in a prayer toward a fresh start. And um, I say this, I say, I ask you to raise your hand because I believe that, that you need to make some type of statement, uh, at least to, 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 to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm one of those, I need a fresh start. And, and I, ask you to, I ask you to raise your hand while everybody's head is bowed and eyes are closed because I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to be, I, 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 it just gets on my nerves when somebody says, you know, raise your hand and we'll, we'll help you be anonymous and then they ask you to come forward. Like, really, what was that? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to reveal who you are. I'm simply going to ask everyone to pray with you today. And you say, Pastor, you know, I need a fresh start. Only Resurrect Sunday, I want, I want something to change. I want to look at the one on the cross. I want to, I want to partake in the anti-venom that Christ, that Christ gave for me. All right? If you just slip a hand up just real quick, just slip, thank you, thank you all over the building. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Put your hand down, put your hand down. To our congregation, to those of you that are here, to our guests, everyone. There were many hands that just went up. And so would you, would you um, help uh, me and, and we're going to help them and, and, and if you raise your hand or even if you didn't because you, you, know, you might have been lied to before by a preacher and you, you thought yeah he's really going to call me forward uh, and, and so you didn't raise your hand um, but you want a fresh start you can, you, can, you can go ahead and pray the prayer and it works just as well it works just as good and let's, let's, let's get you moving forward let's get you moving forward in your life so you can experience resurrection too all right? You can experience resurrection too. Uh, uh, let's pray together. Say, say, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I have for a fresh start. Today, I recognize Christ died for me on the cross. God raised him from the dead. I have faith in that. I'm looking even right now at the resurrection through the lens of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And thank you, God, for raising him up. And today I declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Jesus, come, make me whole. 
Cleanse me, heal me, deliver me from the bite of the serpent. And I will give you the praise for it. And I give you my life even right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen to that. Yeah. Praise God.